Welcome to the Platform to Perform podcast, the podcast for athletes, coaches, and anyone looking to perform at their highest level. If performance is your goal, we aim to provide you with the platform to perform. I'm your host as always, Todd Davidson, and on episode 38 of the Platform to Perform podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Hurst. Ryan has an extensive background in several martial arts and competed in gymnastics over several years and is the co-founder of GMB Fitness with friends and coaches and his business partners, Andy Fawcett and Jarlo Lana. In today's podcast, we discuss his potentially contrarian approach on philosophy on fitness, his 5P framework for developing movement skills in adults and children, bringing the element of mindfulness into both his programming, his coaching, and his teaching. And finally, how he would optimize an online experience for teaching physical education. I've followed GMB Fitness and Ryan for many years now, and he influences me still to this day, especially with the online coaching and teaching that I'm currently delivering. So I know you're going to enjoy this as much as I did. Thank you very much, guys, and I'll see you on the other side. So the question I start with everyone is, uh, why do you do what you do? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, to be honest, uh, what I do, what I do, I didn't even realize it um, until a couple years ago when I really reflected back uh, deeply on my life and, and growing up. And uh, it's really been about... Um, the coaches, the teachers, the instructors, and the mentors that I've had over the year and me actually unconsciously knowing it, wanting to really be like them. And for example, starting with my gymnastics coach, Mark Folger, who I was with for many, many years uh, growing up, you know, gymnastics, I competed in gymnastics and, you know, from a very young age until I was 18 and then as well as my martial art instructor, uh, I also did martial arts while I was in secondary school and uh, continued, um, you know, through university. This is what brought me to Japan. I had fabulous, fabulous luck of, you know, meeting these wonderful people and seeing how they taught and seeing how passionate they were about the particular activity that they were involved with, which I was also involved with just really inspired me. And then over the years, it really led to this. And um, it was one of those things where there was a time in my life and it was, a, and it was a, a year in my life where I wasn't really doing um, activities. And that was because I was working for a Japanese company and um, I couldn't handle it. And I realized that I need to be moving. I need to be doing this stuff. And so got right out, you know, after my contract, the year was done. Um, I got right into it and ended up being hired by a Japanese uh, martial arts complex and worked there for eight years. And so, again, it's just everything that I do today has been um, thanks to the people, my mentors and my coaches. And it just one day I woke up and I was doing it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's amazing. One of the um, one of the quotes that I've got written down, which I'd like you to sort of discuss a little bit more. Um, is about your philosophy when it comes to training people. Um, and this stands out whenever I read 
any of your work that says we're not a fitness company we're an education company that teaches right. fitness could you just expand yeah. on what you mean by that absolutely um so jarlo and andy and i we started the company 10 years ago we've always been involved in fitness but um the thing about it it's fitness wasn't the thing we did it was the thing that helped us to do the other stuff that we wanted to do. And that's why we got into the things that we did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my gymnastics, of course, a little bit different. I had that background in gymnastics, of course. And I mean, you could call that, I guess, fitness. But again, it was I needed to be fit for the routines, for the skills and the things I was doing in gymnastics. And the same with martial art. And so, in you know, whatever martial art I was doing, at that time, because I do multiple martial arts and have paired them throughout the years, there were certain things that I needed to be able to do in order to make sure that I could continue with those martial arts. And so in order for me uh, to get better, it wasn't just a matter of me just doing a particular exercise. It was specific to the thing that I wanted to do. We had to research how to do it, you know, learn from other people, um, as well as ending up from the very beginning, whether it be in our martial arts, whether it be Andy, for example, who was actually a school teacher here in Japan, uh, Jarlo, you know, physical therapist, he, we, and myself in martial art and teaching and things like that. And, um, you know, yoga and the other things I taught, we have been teachers. And so again, it's not about us saying, let's do more fitness. In fact, we don't want people to do more fitness. We actually want people, we want to be able to help people and be educators in helping people to understand just how much they need or actually how, you know, less of what they're doing, you know, right now that they probably actually need for their activities. And so that's really what it's about. Again, a person comes to us and they said, yeah, I love GMB and I just want to do GMB and they only do GMB. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But our thing is really, it always comes back to why, what is your why? Um, you know, for some people like me, it could be my martial art, my hiking. I mean, that's kind of it for me, you know, but um, the other thing is, you know, with the kids. And so they're, you know, my close, one of my closest friends, he doesn't really do too many other activities outside of just wanting to be there for his family and being able to, um, you know, play with his kids and that's his why. And that is good enough. And that is beautiful. And so thing is, is we don't, you know, there's no need for him to be doing tons and tons and tons and tons of exercise. He just needs to figure out exactly what he needs in order to be able to continue to be a great dad, a father, friend. And um, yeah, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about education. That's what we want to be known for. Not for six, not for me taking my shirt off and having six pack abs and huge biceps. No. How can I help you? How can Andy help you? How can Jarlo help you? How can G and B help you in educating you so that you know what you need to do in order um, to live the life that you want um, through physical autonomy? And I think that's what's refreshing about GMB Fitness's uh, approach is I think there's a lot of what I would call almost fitness shaming uh, in the um, industry. Yes, so absolutely. You yes. don't have washboard abs. If you don't train five times a week, if you can't squat double your body weight, um, 
whereas your approach you're a bad is a, person. Yes, yes, exactly. You are going to hell. Um, but what I like <laughs> about your approach when I've seen you guys coach online, I've looked it through your online programs is um, I've said off the podcast, uh, relaxed is probably the wrong word, but it's more a discovery based. How did this feel for you? Um, exactly. Exploration is, is, is a term that, that I love to use. Um, fun is something that gets thrown out there, but to be honest, you know, fun, I think is a difficult word to use. There are certain things that we do that, that really are not going to be fun. Okay. But they are going to help you for the activities that you want to do. And a great way of doing it is through exploration. And so, yeah, that's, that's huge for us. And uh, just play. Yes. Just almost fast forward into a question I was going to ask uh, later, but you mentioned uh, off air about uh, your jungle gym and working with kids. Um, How do you balance the need between, for example, you've got to keep kids almost entertained with physical education or any physical work, but then also there's certain things which they might need to do as well to progress to higher levels or to even play at a higher level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this there is a big difference, okay, and when we're talking about um, an athlete compared to a general physical education. And, um, you know, that's what I am. I'm a PE teacher. I am a physical education teacher, coach, if you will. And so some people are like, oh, PE, you know, no, no, I'm just going to say what it is. It's, that's what it is. I just teach physical education. And so I love that terminology, again, coming back to the educator side of things, because this is not just a matter of getting kids to do push-ups or climb a rope or something like that. It is educating these kids on why this should be a part of their life for the rest of their life. And so that's why I think that in physical education, rather than looking at it as a Spartan uh, way of teaching, I think challenging them in a way that's going to be positive for that particular child. And so this is what's different is that each child, just like each adult, has a different goal. And that's based upon their life. It's based upon their body. And of course, you know, their attitude to be perfectly honest. And so forcing a person to do something, especially a child, um, I don't think that that's good because you're setting them up to actually not ever want to do that thing again because they had a negative experience somewhere. And this is what's difficult. I'm not saying that every child should be presented a participation ribbon. I'm not saying that that's different. Okay. What I am saying is that different ways of educating children, I think very necessary. And so it could be in a form of challenges. And this is something when I had my gym called jungle gym, uh, where it was, um, focused on teaching children, this is what we did. And I had a curriculum where we had certain levels. And so what I would do is, you know, make sure that a child that is coming to class for the very first time is not actually thrown into a class with kids who are very advanced with what we're doing. We want to gradually, gradually uh, expose this particular child to the particular movements that we're doing in a way where it, it builds confidence in what they're doing. And they don't have any stumbling blocks. It's very challenging. 
this is what the thing is. Again, it's, I think challenges are very important. And so I think though, that slowly building up those challenges and making sure that you're not doing something just for the sake of thinking that they have to be doing something. And so this is where it's very difficult. And um, I'm originally from the United States and I, I, I actually don't, re- well, I know what it is right now due to COVID. Of course, there is no school. But <laughs> before COVID, um, I do believe that they were getting away from a lot of the physical education requirements in schools. That's not the case here in Japan. And that is something that I really like. And um, the cool thing about Japan as well is they're also making changements or making changes um, mm. regarding uh, child's needs, which I think is great. And so they have like sports day, but what they'll do is in, in my, uh, like my daughter's, uh, she's in the United States, they would say a junior high. So she is 12. So in her age group, there's different kinds of kids. And so for the sports day, the coaches are really good because what they do is they prep those kids for the activities that they, um, are going to not necessarily excel at, but what will match them. And so, for example, some special needs kids that are in the class, some other kids that are actually overweight. And so they're not going to put them in a position to actually embarrass them, which I think is, which is great. And um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think like with anything, doesn't matter if it's a child or an adult or anything, people need to be presented with challenges throughout their entire life. But if they're thrown into the deep end without knowing how to swim, they are going to drown and drown. And so um, I think everything needs to be presented in a way where they can assess. And then once you assess where they are, you address what needs they have. Once you have addressed those needs, then you're able to apply the necessary protocol to help that person to get wherever they need. And, and by the way, this is exactly what we do. We have what's called the AAA framework. Uh, when I just said it, we assess, we address, and we apply. And that's how I would do it for, you know, if I were to go back and have a gym that's teaching children, or if let's say I were to teach in a, in a school system, that's how I would do it. And what I love there is uh, obviously you've emphasized the education component, but you've also touched upon something that's been a recurring theme in previous podcasts I've had in that sport at the current stage is maybe a little bit outdated for a lot of kids in the sense of, as you said, you're throwing them in the deep end and they don't know how to swim. You're, as you said, no one, no one as a teacher wants to embarrass a child, but then if you take a kid who hasn't got, physical literacy, hasn't been taught how to kick, throw, catch, whatever, and then your curriculum is designed all around sport, then, like you said, with the um, sports day example, if we go to a traditional sports day, the kids who love it are going to do well, but then 90% of kids are going to struggle, and that's not going to be very enjoyable. Absolutely, and and to go a little further into this, there are certain things that I would actually make sure that the child – has under their belt before having them do anything else. And I'm not talking push-ups or things like that. I'm talking like basic movement patterns and, you know, whether that be, are they able to get down onto the floor, like squat down, lie, then get back up comfortably 
sounds silly, but you know, places in the world right now, unfortunately, where kids have difficulty doing that. Um, other things, um, just being able to basic balance, uh, we're talking like stand on one leg, um, you know, simple things like that, that most people are just like, oh yeah, that's, that's really easy, but okay, let's really see if they can do that. Because if you don't have these screens, if you're these assessments, and, and I'm not saying they should be exactly that, but I say an appropriate assessment um, to make sure that the child is able to move on to something else, then I think there are going to be issues with that. And I'm talking natural patterns, um, not just things that that a person thinks, you know, that they should be doing because they want them to play a sport. And I really honestly believe that sport, I mean, it's so different than just general physical education. And so I think that also needs to be taken into consideration. And I think that being introduced to sports and different kinds of sports um, within general education is okay. But again, having a process to make sure that that child is really being educated on good movement patterns and also comes down to as well in the physical education side of it. I think that the mental aspect of it should also be included in there. Uh, teaching kids, for example, um, good breathing patterns, uh, how to calm themselves uh, during particular uh, moments when they're feeling stressed, um, you know, and this is something that that I used to teach to all the kids and we would gradually ramp it up. For example, uh, we would have a two by four, uh, just a long board on the like on the ground and they would just get used to just walking over it. And then we would move it up a little bit higher and then it would get to the point where they're actually walking on a balance beam and things change. And so helping the child to be able to overcome what's going on in their mind to accept what's going on and understand that it's safe. This is why leading them up there and educating them on that side of things. Also, I think it's extremely important. So not just physical, but also the mental side of things. And I think that's really important uh, once they go out into society um, as well. I mean, we could talk about communication and everything like that, but I think there's a whole lot of things in there that we don't really see because there's too much actually placed on just the physical side of it, I think. Yeah. And uh, again, another thing that you mentioned earlier that I really liked is that it's not about just enforcing the physical uh, on the child. Like I've seen a lot of articles that say, where is the education gone out of physical education? Um, yeah. And equally, I've seen it the other way around, you know, like you yeah. said, the statistics, where is the physical bit gone? So right. a balance definitely needed. In, uh, in terms of, uh, you mentioned one of your frameworks there, the AAA framework, um, something, another framework of yours that I love and I've tried to use myself is uh, your 5P framework. Do you want oh, to yeah. talk a little bit about that for listeners? I, I can talk for days about that, yes. So um, I'll quickly just go, just mention the five pieces and then I'll go back through each component of it. The first one is prep. So you prep. Next is practice. Next would be play, then comes push, and finally, ponder. And so what we're after is we're really looking at what is the major thing that you're going to be doing in that session that day. And what we're talking about here is practice. And a lot of people don't look at their their sessions, and I call them sessions. I don't say workouts, okay? And this is a very 
very distinct thing here because a lot of people just work out and a session is where there's also a learning component involved with it. And so that's where the practice comes into play. And so practice is where we're looking at um, a single skill. Sometimes it could be multiple skills, but generally want to focus on an overarching theme for that day. And so focus on a single thing. Um, Now, there are different styles of sessions, of course, but to just take you through kind of a typical session, if you will, again, I mentioned that there's a practice component. And let's say that our skill that day um, is, I'm going to throw something big out there, okay? I'm going to throw out um, a backflip. And I'm not saying that we're going to be practicing backflips. I'm talking like this is a skill that most people would not think about jumping right up in and doing. Okay. But let's say that we have a backflip and immediately people are thinking, jumping in the air, rotating, and then landing on their feet. Okay. And just going for it. But practice would start with, where are you? You assess situation where you're at and you make sure that you're working through those particular progressions as well as variations that are going to safely allow you to eventually achieve that particular skill in this case, the backflip. So, so in that day, your practice could be focused on actually jumps. And so getting better at jumps, everybody thinks they know how to jump. Most people don't know how to jump. And it's pretty funny to be honest, when I go teach a seminar and I say, all right, okay, everybody show me your jump. And you got like 50 people there and you're just like, okay, cool. And sometimes you can tell what sport they come from as well because of the way they jump or the way that they don't jump. And, um, and you know, when you're looking at something like the back flip, it's very important to be able to throw the arms up into the air in order to create lift. And, you know, it's the starting point for it. You need a soft landing. that's going to teach control, things like that. So you want to practice this sort of thing. Well, your whole session then is going to be revolved around that backflip. And so once you know what you're going to be doing in your practice, then you can go back and look at the prep component of that. So we're going to be working on jumps that day. That's our practice thing. And so we know that we need to focus on preparing our hips, our ankles. And really, to be honest, that could really just be it. Making sure that our hips and our ankles are good to go. So that when we get into our jumps, we're going to be ready for it. And a lot of people might be thinking, well, what about your, or pardon me, what about your knees or things like, well, I consider, you know, all that to be involved with it. And so what we're looking at is not spending 30 minutes trying to warm up for something, but figure exactly what we need in order to get into our practice session of, or the practice portion of our session as fast as possible. And the reason for that is that, We want to practice our skills at the highest level we can and do them when we're fresh. We don't want to be tired when we're trying to perform and practice a backflip, for example. And so that's why practice comes first after prep, of course, once you know what's going on. And and I really want to say this again, prep, it's, you know, there are times we're doing a full body warm up. I think is great mobility, flexibility. I think it's wonderful. But there are times, though, where you just need to get and do your thing good enough so that you get into the practice portion of it. 
spend some time. And what we do is we don't look at sets and reps. And this is something that's very different than a lot of places out there. What we're doing is we're looking at blocks of time. And so let's say that you've got, you know, 15 minutes to be able to practice jumps. This does not mean that you're going to just jump up and down, up and down for straight 15 minutes. Okay. What you'll want to do is you're practicing the movement. So one jump done as beautifully as possible. Then after that, stop. Think about, okay, how'd that go? Think about what you need to do in order to make it better for the next attempt. And then once you're ready to go, then you can do another one. And so the goal here is not to do as many as possible in turn, you know, within the 15 minutes. It's to do as many beautiful jumps as possible during that time. And so what this is, is forcing a person to look at their form, to look at how you are doing this. What are you feeling when you're performing this? If you're feeling really good, then you might be ready for the next progression. But if you're just cranking through things and just trying to get through because you said, well, I got to do a hundred of these. So I just got to get them done. Well, then you're probably missing out on really what's going on in that movement and not setting yourself up for success down the road. And so this is why slowing things down is so important. It can be within the movement, which is kind of tough when you're doing a jump, but that's for a different topic here. But, but it could also just mean simply taking the opportunity to give yourself a pause to reflect on what's going on during that particular movement. Okay. So that's just one example. Okay. It could also be something else where, where let's say for that day that um, your main focus are going to be, it's a leg day. And so you're working on um, barbell squats. So you're going to practice that squat, right? You're not just going to jump up and try and do your PR that day, right? You're not just going to go right into it. What you're going to probably do is you're going to go with an empty bar and you're going to do some squats, okay? What are you doing? You're warming up, okay? But what you're actually doing is practicing the movement, I hope. So this is an opportunity for you to go ahead and look at a particular movement unloaded, and perform it as beautifully as possible, you're going to be getting feedback as to where your body is that day. And this is going to be a good indicator to let you know how the rest of the session is going to be. It's extremely important. And so we've got that practice portion of it. Next off, we can play. Now, play doesn't necessarily happen in every single session. So it just depends on what's going on that day. It might be where rather than play, you just go right into your heavy push section. I'll talk about that in a section. But play can simply mean taking a movement and exploring that movement. Now, I need to be clear that play happens not at your highest level of movement, but at the movement that you're extremely comfortable with. So let's say, for example, um, let's say that, oh, I don't know, you have a handstand. And while you might be able to practice holding that handstand for, I don't know, 10 seconds or something like that, your play portion of that might be going to the wall, putting your feet on the wall, and then exploring different shapes. So the thing here is you're not performing and trying to play with a movement that you're still practicing. 
you want to be very comfortable and you want to own that movement so that when you start playing with it, you're able to explore, to go deep and do it in a safe manner. This is very important. You'll notice kids on the playground, they're not trying out new moves when they're out there playing with their friends, okay? They might try something, of course, that they've never done before. But when they're playing, they're not thinking about, okay, I'm going to try and do this at the best of my ability at the highest level I possibly can. No, they're just tearing around the thing and trying new stuff and, you know, because they know what they're comfortable with. And they're kind of just honestly sticking with that. Uh, Kids are pretty smart and they're not going to put themselves in jeopardy and try to do kind of stupid stuff, to be honest, um, until they kind of reach about 10 And then like my son, who knows what the hell he's doing anyway. But so that's the play portion of it. And when we're looking to play again, we're taking a movement. We're bringing it down just a little bit to a point where we're very comfortable with it. So we can explore options. Uh, We like to use locomotion, um, things, animal type movements in GMB. And this is where you can actually have a lot of fun and, and play around um, with some movements that you might've never done before. So uh, next up is where majority of people live. This is your workout. And we call it push this portion of the session because you are pushing yourself. This is where you're getting your sweat on, okay? And this is where you're really going to hit it hard. Now, the goal, though, is actually to further strengthen um, whatever it is in your body so that it's going to help make your practice movement better for the next session so for example if we were working on our jumps that day for our back flips during our push section then we can really hit the legs hard and this is where we're going to be focusing on not only strengthening the legs but while performing these movements it's going to tax us even more so we're possibly going to be improving our um, endurance We'll possibly be working on also our stamina in order to get better at what we're doing. The range of motion might actually get better just for the sake that we're going, you know, with working on a movement for multiple um, repetitions. But like practice and everything else that we're doing, we're not focused on the number of repetitions. We're actually focused on time. And so, for example, let's say that, Um, During your practice portion, you were focusing on those single jumps and you could be working on a 180 degree jump. Well, during the push section, it's actually similar to the play and that you're going to take the level of that movement down a little bit to a level that you're very, very comfortable with so that you can continue to perform that movement with quality, like high quality over a period of time. And this is where we're talking about volume. And this is where we really want to get in as much volume as possible, but still continue to perform that movement as beautifully as possible. And so let's say again, you know, you have that 180 jump. Now you might only be looking at doing uh, step back lunges. And so might seem different, but the thing is, is what we're doing now is in order to help us to strengthen those legs, also work on range of motion by working on these deep step back lunges, performing these as beautifully as possible. Let's say doing them for up, you know, 45 seconds to a minute, short break, getting right back into it, maybe have a different movement in there. We could do something like, for example, the Frogger. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Frogger, uh, squat down on the floor, put your hands in front of you and hop forward. This is obviously going to help 
to not only strengthen the legs, we're also working on increasing the range of motion within the hip flexors, the ankles, and also working on your strength endurance, which it's pretty killer if you do it 45 seconds straight like that. So, you know, that's the push section. A lot of people, this is where they live and they think of a workout, you know, it's, you know, hit their bench, uh, three by 12, you know, and then right after shoulder press, you know, same thing, three by 12, you know, maybe they're going to go over and do some deadlifts that day too. They're going to do a five by five of those. And so this is typically where most people live. That's perfectly fine. We have a different reasoning for what we're doing here in GMB. We're looking at taking these movements, helping to improve your skill for whatever activity that you're after. So that's the push section. Finally, we have ponder. Ponder, it's very quick. What you're doing is you finished up. Oh, and by the way, within push, that's also where, for example, when you finish and you feel like you want to do some mobility work or some stretching can happen there. But I also want to say that within GMB, mobility and flexibility work can occur within any place of the session. It just because it's time to stretch doesn't mean that it has to go to the beginning, in the beginning, or the end. Stretching mobility is there to help you for when you need it at any time. So finally, like I said, we have ponder. Ponder is where you're thinking about what went well in the session, what could you have done better, and then what are you going to focus on for the next session? So those are kind of the big three for that, and it could be very quick. And we're not talking like, a huge breakdown of each movement. It could just be like, you know what? My jumps felt really, really good today. That was awesome. And you say, but I did have some trouble when I got to the step back lunges because I probably should have taken it down a level in order to keep the quality high. Okay, so for next session, when I do my jumps, uh, because I feel really good with the jumps next time around, I'm going to move up another level and work on that for my practice session. Done. That's it. And so... You know, again, each section is looking at a chunk of time rather than um, reps or things like that. The beauty of this is that you can make adjustments depending on what's going on in your life. It's not saying, okay, this is a 45-minute session or an hour session or something like that. It is, okay, how much time do you have? If you've only got 15 minutes, then you shrink those numbers down, those blocks of time down. You might not get in, you know, the kind of session that you want that day. But the thing is, is you're stepping on the mat, you're doing the work. And just by stepping on the mat and doing a little bit and slowly working on that, you're going to be getting better working towards your goals. And this is what we call auto-regulation. That was absolutely fantastic. You rattled through probably the next a lot 10, of stuff in there. Yeah, probably the so. next 10 questions I had. But no, that was brilliant. What I liked, <laughs> a couple of things that I liked is... Um, I think one of my not issues, but a difficulty I have when people come to me for programming is they think that their body is like a machine. It's like, here's four weeks. Let me download that yep. program. And four exactly. weeks, uh, that's going to spit these numbers out rather than, for example, yes, I can write you how heavy does it want to be, but actually I care. How does it feel? Uh, how yes. are you responding to that? Are you aware of what you're doing during the movement? Um, one question I did have is with your 5P framework, when it comes to uh, coaching kids, Uh, to what extent do you adjust that so i'll give you an example with some classes i teach that might be totally appropriate in the sense of they're thinkers they would like to have those discussions you'll get great feedback with other classes they are going to want to be whizzing around the room and asking them to stop for a minute and think about it 
might not be or I might not do as much of it. So uh, yeah. what's your thoughts on applying that framework to kids? Yeah, um, it's actually very similar to what I said in the beginning, and that is um, you slowly build things up. And so anytime that I teach anything pretty much to anybody, it's by doing. I want the person to be doing. And I firmly believe that the more that we can practice and do and simply be aware, the more educated we're going to be about our own body. And so the purpose for me as a coach and as an educator is not to shove more information down a person's throat. It's to get that person to start thinking about what they need. And again, I think one of the best ways is to simply have them do. And so with kids, we didn't talk theory or anything. Like I never did that. It was the way that I would actually, though, coach them, if you will. And I think there's a big difference between teaching and coaching. And a teacher loves to talk, blah, 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 here and this. And look how many big words I know and here and this, okay? I'm not saying everybody, but but if you look at a coach and a good coach, they're probably not going to say too much because they're letting you do the thing and they're only going to give you that, that one little nugget that's going to really make the difference. And this is something that I'm always trying to get better at. And, you know, talking is, is great. And I talk a lot, but when I actually coach it, it's, I'm always thinking about that. What is this, that one word? I can give a person that cue that's going to help with whatever it is they're after. This is also within our, we have a, what's called the apprenticeship is basically it's a four month program where if a person wants to become a trainer in GMB, they go through this. And the apprenticeship comes from the fact that we believe that it should be beyond just a weekend certification. There's a lot in there. And so we have it divided into four sections modules where the first one is you assess where you're at. This all about you. The second one is where you address. And this is where you're learning the method and the concepts and looking in at yourself and saying, okay, this is some of the things, you know, I need. Okay. Module three then is application. Okay. Here's how you can start applying this to yourself. And again, it's all self, self, self. It's all me, 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 me until you get to module four. And that's finally when you go, all right, here's how we start teaching this stuff. And so what I'm getting at with that though, is that it, it is a process like that as well. I believe where if you start cramming things down a person's throat, as I used the same vernacular earlier, there can be so much information that a person can get lost in what they want to need or they need to do. Language is the same way. If you're learning a new language, there's so much to learn. And if that teacher is trying to, you know, this is the present, you know, this is the past, you know, this is all the different tenses. And then, oh, by the way, we've got this and you have to conjugate this verb. And then, oh, no, your pronunciation is off. Okay. You'll just be like, I'm done. I'll never get this. 
But what if you were able just to give them one thing and say, hey, let's explore this. Let's really try and just see how you do and, and you know, roll with it. And so this is where as a coach, uh, and I mentioned the apprenticeship where we have our local motion movements, the bear, monkey, the frogger, and the crab. And my trainers, by the time they graduate, they know a lot of stuff. They know a lot of stuff. But whenever they teach the bear, there's only one thing they say. But up. But up. That's it. The reason why is that when a person is doing something, especially when they're inverted, their attention is not going to be outward it's, it is inward because they're so focused on just looking down at the ground and not really knowing what's around them. They're closed off. And if you were to give them a lot of cues, they wouldn't get it. So what is the one thing that you can do to help a person in order to help the majority of the issues that you're going to see when a person is performing the bear? Butt up, okay? Or depending on where you're bum up, okay? The thing is, is this is what I'm after is not, showing people how much you know, but what can you do for that person right away to get them to go deeper into the movement to feel, to get a better feel for what they need to do. And it's just like that with a handstand as well. And they're, you know, leading that person up so that when they eventually get to be upside down, you might only say push, but they understand what push means because building up to that point where they're finally upside down they understand that means scapular elevation and they know how to do it not just standing but inverted and they know what it should feel like and so that is being able to coach a person to that level and so with kids coming back to the original thing is is with the children all the kids are going to be different, okay? And so, yes, we can use the five Ps, but I'm not going to say, okay, here are the five Ps. Let's learn them. Nope. I'm just like, all right, everybody, let's start moving our bodies like this, okay? And you get them going, and they start moving. And you're like, ah, oh, that's awesome, okay? And then you're like, hey, check it out. Let's try this new thing, okay? And that's where you lead them into the practice portion of it. And so you're leading them into what's going on. And when they start practicing things, then what you get is, hey, hey, that's when you introduce you know the words vernacular where okay let's practice this for a little bit they're like okay cool you know and they're like oh wow that was pretty beautiful hey you think that you could open your hands a little wider cool great you move on okay and so that's the other thing you know pcp praise critique praise so whenever you you know i work with anybody you will not hear me say what are you doing no that's wrong i never say that okay if a person is being very dangerous or doing something that might harm another person, then you better believe that I'm going to make sure that they stop doing that. But if a person is doing something incorrectly, which I hate that term because I mean, what really does that mean? You know, but like I'll say, Hey, okay, cool. Yeah, that's great. But let's try it this way and see if this is going to make it a little bit better. Can you try that for me real quick? And they do and like, yes, that's really cool. Keep going. And then I move on to the next person. You know, that's just an example, you know, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, like I said earlier, I'll be at a seminar and you've got like all these people and they're doing bear. And I'll just walk up next to a person. I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, and just move on. That's all they need to hear. They don't need me to go. 
All right, so now we're going to focus on scapular elevation, making sure that you're splaying the fingers and his fingers facing forward with, you know, I mean, I'm just like, oh my God, shut up and just let me do the thing. You know, I don't want the person to stop because it's like anything, if they have this momentum and I'm not talking physically, but mentally, this forward momentum going and you get in the way of that, then they have to start again. And so if you see a person is doing something, if you see a child and they're doing fine, Stay out of their way. Let them do it. And then start to guide them to the next thing. And they say, all right, everybody, it's time for a little bit of play. Okay, I know that you just were working on your cartwheels. Now, this time, let's see how slow you can do your cartwheel. And they're like, ooh, okay. That's a challenge. But in their mind, it's play. Okay. And then the push portion of that in order to help them, you know, for explosiveness with the legs or whatever like that you could work on having them play leapfrog where they leapfrog over each other and you do a train there where the kids are actually able to do that okay and do it in a safe manner uh, what you're doing is helping them with their balance because they're jumping over the child on the bottom has to brace themselves the child on the top actually has to jump they have to land softly when they're going. So there's a lot of different things. And you just do that. They think you're just playing the entire hour. But what you're doing is you're actually taking them through the five Ps. And you finish off by going, all right, what did you guys think about that? Was it fun? What did you not like about it? And they're like, well, I didn't like it because I was wearing a dress today. And I was like, you know, whatever. You know, kids, they're going to be saying all this different stuff. But the thing is, is that's ponder to them. And you're getting them to start reflecting on how things are happening and really you know this i'm not saying that we should be using the five p's everywhere and for everything but i mean there are other components of your life where you might be able to apply these there okay i don't know but you know for us though really it's looking at within gmb this is a good way for us to get people to start feeling that's what we're really after and and really saying is this movement good for me that's the most important thing uh to me to be honest it doesn't matter if this guy or or you know female lady whatever is is can do this trick and is doing that trick it doesn't matter the only thing that matters is yourself in saying okay is this thing important to me if not don't do it that's it. And there's no judgment or anything. And in GMB, that's how it is. And so we have our community, the alpha posse and no judgment, no nothing, zero, you know, and I hope this should be pretty clear from the top down. Andy and Jarlo and I are very different individuals. Very. Okay. And the thing is, is we're pretty open to anything. You know, and it's like, if the three of us can get along, then, you know, it's going to be okay. So uh, that's a big thing with us is really, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. I've been doing this stuff since I was what, six years old. <laughs> so, you know, don't compare to the stuff that I'm doing. Don't expect, think that you're going to get this tomorrow, watch a YouTube video and send post a comment. I watched it once and I couldn't get it. <laughs> oh, darn. Okay. You know, took me like a thousand attempts to get it, you know, <laughs> so whatever, but there's, it's just, there's a lot of different ways that things can be used, but 
there's so many different things within the GMB method that over the years, we actually didn't talk about in the beginning because we thought that everyone knew them, if that makes sense. Because to us, these were just like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that sort of thing? And we learned that, wow, some people don't think that way. And so that's why really we spent, you know, continue to spend time reflecting, pondering and saying, how can we better convey the message that we want, uh, uh, you know, in the very beginning you mentioned it, of, of how can we be better educators and not fitness gurus? I am kind of quite possibly the anti-guru, if you would. I don't know, but I mean, um, it's kind of what we're after, you know. And again, any person that comes into GMB, the first thing is, is what are you after? And if a person comes to us just just yesterday, I had a message uh, on Instagram. And um, I usually don't answer fitness-related stuff, but I was just like, ah, I might as well answer because whatever. I want to get six-pack abs. How do I get six-pack abs? Do you believe we should be doing compound movements or or this? And what GMB program should I start in order to help me to do this? And I was just like, typically, I would be like, hey, this is my personal account. Can you please send that to, uh, you know, info at GMB and we'll help you there. But I was just like, I was just like, now it's just, I got to help this person right away. And I just let them know. I was like, hey, I don't think GMB is a good fit for you. And I said, uh, if, you know, if you're about the abs and things like that, I think that's great. I think there's a lot better people out there that can help you with this. Check out this person. And I sent them a link. And so we're very big on if we don't feel that a person would be a good fit, we say that from the very beginning and even suggest other places that they might want to check out. The funny thing is, is we have a lot of those people that end up coming back to GMB later. <laughs> so um, yeah, anyway, yeah, just I, talked a lot there. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that, that comment makes me laugh because uh, my first thought, I mean, maybe you were thinking this in your head, but I was like, have you not looked at any of our stuff like that's literally so like... that's the thing too yeah i'm like are you are you do you know who you're talking to right now i'm like yeah you know so i mean okay the whole body thing and i don't talk about this too much but i mean i'm pretty ripped okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna be honest you know just people just don't see me with my shirt off anymore because i'm just like I'm not about that i'm like i don't care you know the body to me is because of the way that i eat the way that I train and what's good for me. And, um, you know, again, I don't want to you know, give off a particular image that might keep a person from wanting to explore um, what we're really after and make it about themselves. And so for those people out there with their shirts off and things like that, good on you, keep doing it. That's great. You know, um, I'll take my shirt off when I'm at the beach or the pool or something like that. But I work, I work out with a shirt on and you know, what you see is what you get. I'm going to keep my shirt on and I got chest hair and proud of it. So that's about it. So <laughs> happy days, happy days. But then, like you said, it's so easy for in the sort of fitness sphere whatever you want to call it it would be so easy for you to say oh you know just do this program that we do or you know sure. yes we sure. can 
because you know if you wanted to i'm sure you could say right you're going to need to eat these kind of things you need to do these kind of exercises but that's just completely contradictory to your brand ethos and your why exactly and we have we actually have um well i can't even call it a nutrition or a diet um, program uh, because it's not a diet program it's it's um food skills habit it's habits building good habits based around food for you and it's our eating skills program and so you know it's basically gmb for food yeah and you know people coming into this there are people who are working on losing weight there are people who are looking to get better for the particular activity and so the thing is again it's what are you after it's not all right everybody um summer's coming up we need to get jacked or ripped for the summer and again i have nothing against that i think it's great and i think everyone wants to look good naked um i want to you know look good stay lean um the thing is though it's is you know work towards having a healthy relationship with food i think is a good um way to say that and that goes for for movement and exercise as well yeah and uh i mean that in itself could be a podcast in terms of people's relationships with exercise or what do you use exercise for because i think a lot of the fitness exactly, industry exactly. exercise is a punishment or you know as i've heard you talk sure, about on other sure. podcasts whereas again food is this similar i'd be quite intrigued to see what your food skills are like knowing how much i've read and seen of your um exercise side of things that would be intriguing well here's the thing um i am not the person who is in charge of the eating stuff at all uh what we did is we brought an outside um um professional in uh josh hillis he's great friend of ours he created this fabulous, fabulous program and it's GMB eating skills. And so, you know, similarly, I mean, I'm pretty happy with the way I eat, um, but I actually have a nutrition coach myself, you know? And so I'm not going to just try and teach something to a person that I am not the best at. Oh, let me rephrase it. I, I'm not saying that I am the best at uh, everything that I'm doing. Um but with my experience and the skills that I've had over the years, I think I am a good representative representative, and could be a good um, educator for those um, people similar to myself. And so basically what I'm just trying to do is help other people to not go through the issues that I went through. Uh, when I was trying to work towards certain things. And so when it comes to nutrition, Josh is our man and uh, it's a fabulous program or, you know, like all of our programs continuing to make updates to it. But um, yeah, you know, nutrition, it's deep. I've done a lot of different diets. And that's the other thing with me is I never want to give my opinion on anything without having done it. And so if we're talking about whether it be, intermittent fasting, whether the warrior diet, uh, if we're talking about, you know, the bodybuilder style of diet or anything like that, I'm not going to throw my two cents in there uh, until I've gone through it. But more importantly, I don't think that it's really relevant um, for me to be talking about that sort of thing, because that's not my wheelhouse. So again, that's why Josh is there. And uh, the final couple of questions before wrapping up the last, last one I've got um, is just kind of a personal one because delivering 
online PE, but not being able to visually see kids um, is just relating to uh, what are some of the things you would potentially recommend when creating online content when you can't see the person who's going to perform the movement or you don't know the exact range of skills they're going to be at, if that question makes any sort of sense? It does. Um, this is something, yes, and it's. I think it's a very relevant and important uh, important question right now for state of the world right now. Um, I don't have the best answer, um, and I apologize for that. Thing is, this is, though, something that we talk a lot about with our trainers because we've actually had to make modifications or updates to the apprenticeship based on the fact that everyone's teaching online right now. And so <clears throat> I do have a lot of experience teaching online in, in terms of like what we're doing right now. But when it comes to actually looking at people and, you know, getting them to do things when it's online, again, I think it really just comes down to everything. And that is the space might change, but the principles are the same in terms of how you teach a person and not, especially now that we're, you know, having to use this mode of communication where the internet could be spotty, um, you know, long drawn out explanations are not going to be good, especially for kids when it comes to these sort of things. And so keeping things, I don't want to say simple, but easy for them to do more of. And so this is another thing that, that we've actually, with my trainers, we talk a lot about is while you might've been able to perform 10 exercises during this class in person, you might actually need to cut that in half. And rather than trying to cram a bunch of stuff in there, focus on doing few things, fewer things, but more volume giving them the opportunity to play more and to explore more with things that they're very familiar with. And so if, again, if you just try and give them a bunch of stuff, then it's, they're not going to have that opportunity to feel that they actually own that thing. And so, you know, maybe it's just focusing on a single theme that day and say, Hey guys, so this is what we're going to be doing today. And, and so check it out. We're only really going to be doing three moves. Okay. But I'm going to ask you to explore these. And this gives them the opportunity to then start to take ownership of what they're doing. And this is where it changes from you teaching them to them being like, oh, sweet. I'm going to be able to decide what, you know, how I'm going to do this. And that creates that interest. And when you can stick with that, you know, the movement a little bit, make sure it's not boring, of course, because, you know, kids, they're going to get bored of stuff, but you know, just a couple things and come back to it and say, all right, so you guys did really well with that. So this is what I'd like for you to try this time. All right. If you think you're ready, just go ahead and give it a try. And there are going to be kids who are just like, yeah, I'm good to go. And there are other kids who are like, I think I want to work on this some more. And so again, this is where you give them the opportunity to take ownership of this and decide how are they really going to move forward with this. But what you're doing is you're reframing the situation. And so you know, in that term, uh, I use this a lot. So when you're able to reframe the situation, even though you might be performing the same movement, they might be first looking at the practice portion of it. But you say, all right, guys, 
It's time to play with that movement. And here's what you can do with it. You have the option to be able to do this with it, or you could do this, or you could do this. And I'm going to let you choose what you're going to do. And so they practiced it. You move into the play portion of it. And then for the, you know, for example, if you were to move into the push portion of it, then again, it's that time where you say, okay, we're going to now, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. And you also have a couple more options in how you can do this and you can choose how you want to do it. And so that way you're not telling them that it has to be this way or that. And again, I, I always like kind of reframing things and setting people up to think that they're the ones who are making the decision when it's actually me who's laying it out for them and just tricking them into, you know, doing work. So I think that's, especially with kids, how you can do that. Um, I kind of do that with my, with my kids, if you will, they're getting at an age where they kind of know my shenanigans, but like just today, my son, he just walked by, but we're at the gym right now and it's a Saturday and today is the day, um, we do it every day, but today we wanted to spend some more time working on, um, a self-defense form that we've been practicing, but what I do is I make it fun. And so it's, it's it's real stuff and he's getting in a lot of volume, but the way that we're doing it is I'm not, okay, it's time to do it. Let's do it. No, it's, Hey man, Hey buddy, check it out. Check it out. I was thinking about this the other day. What if you did this and try this? And then, you know, we play around with it. And then by the end of the thing, I'm like, all right, let's go back and practice that first thing again that we started with. And then all of a sudden he's like, he has it. You know what I mean? And that I think is also a good thing is you kind of, get them thinking outside in a different way. And then when they come back to the original thing, they're like, Oh my goodness, I'm able to do it now. And I'm like, wow, that's great. You did that all yourself, you know? So um, anyway, lots of little tricks like that, but coming back, looking at the uh, internet, um, if you're on zoom and things like that, understand that uh, communication is going to be different. And so when you're teaching to keep your cues to a minimum, and always look at the, the single thing, the big thing, coming back to the book, actually, yeah. Look at that that single thing that you can tell a person that's going to help them to make adjustments right away without giving them a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. So it might just be a matter of just saying, squeeze your butt. Like if they're doing like a push-up or something like that. You know, if they're doing a push-up, a lot of people tend to relax their lower body. And so they just, hey, squeeze your butt. Nah, keep squeezing. Good. Okay. You know, that's it. You know, and then they're like, oh, my goodness, it just got really difficult. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, you know, or just keep your elbows in, you know, something like that. Just really simple that immediately they can actually do rather than saying, say, hey, relax. That says nothing. That tells them nothing. Okay. You need to tell them something physically to do that's going to give them immediate feedback and things that they can relate to because they've done it. And so, so that's the first thing. Then the other thing is um, possibly cutting down the number of things that you teach. And then what I think is one of the most important things is making sure that before you're working with these people, before these people or kids come to your session, that you've helped them to create a good environment for them to move around in. And so Let's say if you were teaching in person, if you're teaching at the school, you would make sure that the gym floor was clean and that there's nothing dangerous around 
sound if they're going to be doing their cartwheels, okay? And you make sure that there's not a bunch of loud music blaring in the background, okay? Likewise, make sure that same thing is happening when you're teaching online on Zoom. Make sure that before the class that you're teaching, you reach out to these people and you say, hey, in order to have a great class today and make this fun, let's make sure that you have this much room available. Let's make sure that you're able to do this in a quiet environment. You don't have the TV on or you know your phone on or anything like that, depends on who you're teaching. And then, um, you know, again, you reframe it in the way that is necessary for uh, the appropriate uh, media that you're using or medium that you're using in order to teach. And so um, that's how you can actually look at anything and see that it's all the same. It's just a matter of how you reframe it according to how you're teaching. Yeah. And just reflecting on my own sessions, you've kind of covered the things that I've been thinking about, which is, I've asked kids to submit their own feedback just to try and verify that they're doing it because the f- videos have already been filmed. And uh, I've said, how can, you oh, make the movement, see, yeah. how can you make the movement easier, harder, more fun for you? And sometimes they'll just put, I don't know. And that makes me realize yeah. that I need to provide a framework, as you were saying, like right. maybe try it slowly, maybe we change direction or other things. Yeah. I also, open-ended questions, especially for children, depending on where they're at in their journey, I try to stay away from them. And so, so, you know, in the beginning, I'll be like, it'll be like A, B, or C. And, and because what I'm actually kind of saying is, is leading them in the sense that I'm helping them to build what they actually should be feeling as they move through. And so what I mean with this is not telling them exactly the answer, but like three different options that could be a possibility. And then what you'll find is if, you know, that child is really thinking deeply, then they'll say, well, actually it wasn't those three. It was this. That's where things get really interesting because then that's where they start really thinking and going deeply. But what I'm talking about is like, you know, in the very beginning, if a child is like, I don't know, it's multiple reasons. Okay. For one is they really might not know, or they just don't care. Okay. Which is fine. <laughs> okay. But you know, the thing is, is that I don't know, doesn't give you any feedback. And so by having, you know, a multiple choice can sometimes be better. Um, and then as they get more involved and um, more educated, in terms of what's going on, then you can start asking for um, deeper feedback if, if that makes sense. That's just maybe yeah. something to think about. No, know. that's that's brilliant. And the uh, final question that I ask all guests is uh, if you could observe one coach working with, so this could be a coach with their athletes, could be a teacher with their kids, um, who would you like yeah. to observe and why? This is so difficult. Um, you could name several if that's easier. You know, I'm I'm going to say one simply because just he had such a big impact on education, martial art, and community, and that's Kano Jiguro, and he was the founder of judo, and 
you know, judo is my background. I competed for many, many years in judo here in Japan. And I'm not just saying it because of judo, but saying it because of the education side of things and how that was his job. You know, he didn't get paid to do judo. He was a school teacher. It was education. And so his, as he went through, that's that's what he built everything on. And he said, you know, education is the most important thing. And I think that I I really agree with that. And so I would have loved to been there to see not just how he taught judo, but everything else, you know, how he would think about, okay, he wanted to get things into the Olympics and get more involved with that. And, and his education side of things with that and see how he interacted with other people and taught. Um, Yeah. That's, that's something, that's a person that I wouldn't mind um, shadowing. <laughs> and that's uh, nicely brought us full circle from uh, you saying that fitness is just the sort of mode of transport that allows you to, uh, I suppose, distribute your why. And uh, now yes. we are, uh, like you said, uh, judo wasn't necessarily his why, but it allowed him to uh, distribute, if that's even the right word. Yeah. And, very uh, cool thank you so much for having me yeah my pleasure i've absolutely loved this and uh finally where can people i mean i'll put all the links in the show notes but where can people learn more about yourself or gmb um after this podcast yep uh very easy um not to be confused with good morning britain but <laughs> um gmb fitness if you type that in there uh, it doesn't matter what social media platform you're on uh, whether it be google uh, youtube twitter instagram facebook gmb fitness you can find us there awesome thank you very much for your time ryan thank you have a wonderful day (laughs) thank you for listening to episode number 38 of the platform to perform podcast with myself as always todd davidson and today's guest ryan hurst if you've enjoyed the show It'd be great if you could leave us a review via your preferred podcast platform. If you'd like to go one better than that, or you'd simply like to support the podcast, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash Todd Davidson P2P coaching, where subscribing will give you unlimited access to exclusive strength and conditioning content that I've released, including all 30 of my calisthenics kids lessons designed to improve strength, confidence and movement skill in children using bodyweight training and all the strength conditioning programs that I've created exclusively via my Patreon. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you again in the next episode.